Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Mindful Narcissist Podcast. I'm your host, the Mindful Narcissist, and this is an episode about things I've learned in 21 years of grieving. Not that grief needs to be a learning opportunity. Sometimes grief can just suck, especially when it's a fresh grief. Loss isn't fair. And sometimes you should just be able to complain about that and throw a pity party and wallow in it. 21 years after losing my little brother, I still do that. There is no one way to grieve, no path that grieving is supposed to take, and probably no best way to grieve. Also, I don't want this to feel like a really self-indulgent grief dump on a bunch of unsuspecting listeners. Which, I mean, I guess I've removed the unsuspecting part by addressing the topic. Um, But, like, this isn't going to be an episode that everyone has the space for right this very second, so let you be the judge of that. I do go back and forth about the indulgence of it a lot, though. Like, is it actually self-indulgent? I wrote my whole dissertation about artists who base their entire practice on a trauma or grief, and I went into it wanting to argue that it wasn't healthy. It was preventing them from healing. You can go back and listen to the Psychological Spaces episode if you want more about that. But despite holding that view so strongly when I started my MFA, and coming to the conclusion that I was incapable of making art about this grief without hurting myself, I've ended up talking about this grief more each year. And I was like, why? I think partially because grief is lonely. Even when you have the ability to share it, like mine is a grief that I share with my family, no one shares the exact grief that you have. My parents lost a child. I can't share that exact grief. I lost a brother, and they can't share that. Of my remaining siblings, only my twin sisters were alive before my brother died, but they were only three months old when he did die, so they lost a brother as well, but not one they have any memories of. So my grief can feel lonely. More than the fact that no one shares your exact grief, though, I think grief can feel lonely because it seems almost like a taboo to talk about it. Grief makes people uncomfortable. Very few people know how to help carry another person's grief. Like, that's a very rare thing. But almost as rare as that is people who know how to just listen and, like, sit with your grief. So often it feels like the automatic response is to try and fix it. Like, immediately offer comfort. And immediately trying to offer comfort is well-meaning, obviously. But in my experience, more often than not, someone who's grieving needs a listening ear. And someone to just acknowledge that, yeah, this loss isn't fair and it really, really sucks. Growing up religious, the response to my grief was always that I'd see my brother again, that he was with God and all my other family members who had died. And I've offered that plenty of times myself in my youth to people that were grieving. One of my closest friends lost her father when we were teenagers. And despite having also experienced deep grief, that was still my automatic offering. And... Well, it's it's not that I regret that, because I understand that that's how I was raised. That made it hard enough to acknowledge and understand my own grief, much less learn how to hold space for the grief of another person. So I understand that, and I don't hold that against teenage Caitlin, so I won't say I regret it, but man, I wish, I wish I had known better. I wish I had just hugged her and been there and said nothing. The longer I sit with and get to know my own grief on my own terms as an adult, separate from my religious upbringing, the more comfort I gain from listening to other people talk very frankly about their own experiences, past or ongoing, with grief. It's comforting just to listen to, but it's also comforting in the way that it felt like and feels like it gives permission to possibly talk about my own grief. I think I've spent a lot of time disenfranchising my own grief, 
like telling myself that because my brother was only two when he died, I have no right to be this sad for this long because I barely knew him, which is obviously ridiculous. At that point in my life, he and my parents were my entire world. At the age of four, I lost a huge portion of my world in a very sudden and tragic way. And of course, that's going to have very long lasting effects. Or I'd compare my grief to my mother's specifically. Like, how do I have the right to be this sad when she lost a child right after giving birth to twins and then had to continue raising two infants and a four-year-old after? And then in the coming years, two more children after that. Like, how can I grieve like this when she was able to keep going like that? And I can't be the only one who disenfranchises their grief this way. We love a good comparison moment to make ourselves miserable. I think over the last 21 years... I've unintentionally trained myself to spend the majority of the year very much at peace with my grief, with the occasional isolated flare-up, and then to feel it very intensely during the end of January and beginning of February, which are the weeks leading up to my brother's birthday. I did a poll about this on Instagram because the first time I mentioned to my therapist, who is Irish, that my family only acknowledged my brother's birthday, not his day of death, She was concerned that this might be having a negative effect on me, being like unhealthy avoidant coping mechanism, but I was absolutely positive that it must be just a cultural thing. Like I reassured her of this. It seems like a very Irish thing to acknowledge the anniversary of death or possibly just a broader Catholic thing. So I did this poll on Instagram to my followers and the majority of my followers are about a 50-50 split between American and Irish. And I discovered that it seems like whether your family celebrates the birthday or the anniversary has nothing to do with Irishness or Americanness or Catholicness and seems to just be a decision that you or the family make. But anyway, in my family, we've always continued to celebrate and acknowledge my little brother's birthday. And the weeks leading up to his birthday have always been incredibly hard for me. He died when I was four and he was two. So this year he'd be 23 which is insane. (laughs) I saw a post the other day just on my Discover page on Instagram, and it was a girl wishing her 18-year-old little brother a happy birthday. The caption said something to the effect of, I can't believe the first baby I ever held is 18 years old now. Something like that. And I had a violent reaction to that. I was so, so angry just immediately because I was like, wow, the first baby I ever held is dead and has been for almost 21 years. That's not fair. And that's another lesson about grieving. You know how there are like the stages of grief, the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross thing, which actually the five steps were originally about dealing with terminal illnesses, like leading up to death, but it does still work pretty well with the grieving process that occurs after a loss. It's denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And that's just, all very good things to see and acknowledge in one's grief, but it's definitely not linear. At this stage, I'm starting to think it's just going to be a roller coaster for the rest of my life. Because 21 years in, I'll still have those reactions of serious anger. Most of the year, I live in a place of acceptance. But these weeks that make up my annual grieving period bring with them these these dips into serious depression. Denial is hard to get back to at this stage. It's, it's pretty real and hard to deny. That definitely stayed early in the grieving journey. But this way of grieving that I've made a habit of, I didn't mean to start it. This is just something that I did as a child and have now been doing long enough that I can't stop it. 
For a few years, I was working to try and do it differently. I decided that I, it couldn't be healthy to just not really feel it all year and then feel it intensely for three weeks. And, you know, maybe it's not. It is in a way that can honestly be really disruptive of my ability to live my life. And so I try to intentionally feel the grief a bit stronger, spread out throughout the rest of the year. And I try to like prepare myself in the months leading up to my annual grieving period in the attempt to make it less intense. But like nothing works. I can't make myself feel this way at any other point during the year. And also, why would I want to? Kind of a weird mission to have given myself. It's just, this is a really deep neural pathway that I've carved. And so I've shifted gears to try and just embrace this. This is a beautiful human thing I get to take part in. This grieving process. It's something that everybody eventually will get to take part in, in some way. And this is my specific way of doing it. This is a ritual that is mine, and I can lean into it and embrace it for what it is. I can acknowledge that this is how little Caitlin survived her childhood. By basically compartmentalizing the year into grieving periods. And I can honor her by leaning into the process as an adult like she did really well to get me to this point and so now i just i just let myself grieve since moving out of my parents house when i was 17 i've always spent a portion of my brother's birthday in a graveyard when i was in college in california i'd go to his grave when i moved to ireland i went to an old old cemetery just in ruins that was a short walk from the college where i did my master's my second or third year in Ireland, I added birthday cake to this ritual, which was a significant improvement, and I think very poetic, you know, eating birthday cake in a graveyard. The first three years in Ireland, while I was in the graveyard, each time there'd be a rainbow, which, not that that's particularly rare at all in Ireland, but I took that as a message from my little brother, which felt like a kind of an indulgent thing, because I'm not particularly spiritual, or into signs or communications from beyond the veil, but that felt special and right for that day. My last February in Ireland, we were back in our second or third lockdown, and I was in Galway, so I couldn't travel back to the graveyard I'd been going to in the village in Clare, and I hadn't found a replacement graveyard in Galway, and it was lashing rain all day anyway, like, you wouldn't go outside. So I just settled into my bed with a cheesecake and spent the entire day there, eating myself sick. I ate the entire cheesecake over the course of the day, and it was a very, very bad decision, but I was very sad. <laughs> my wonderful soulmate best friend, who I'm here nannying for now, she video called me that day, though. She took her family, her two little boys that I now spend the majority of my week with, to a graveyard, and it was freezing out, so they stayed in the car, but they went to that graveyard, and they ate birthday cake while they were on that call with me. And that was an incredibly sweet way to still carry out my ritual and a very sweet way for someone I love to shoulder a bit of my grief that day as well. This year, I'm living quite close to that graveyard they virtually took me to, and I'll be able to get back to my in-person graveyard cake-eating ritual. I'm looking forward to it, kind of. It's like, it's like a reward after weeks of just being very tired, sad on and off, crying a lot, just really being swallowed by this grieving process. 
it's a bit of a reward to end it on his birthday in that way and know that that is the end of it it'll everything will lessen after that i can kind of get back to my normal life until then it helps that i'm so busy watching the boys all week right now it is a little bittersweet that they're both so close to the age my brother will forever be in my mind the baby will be two this summer and his older brother is three but they keep me busy and happy and it's really just like nights that can be hard like, I'll start sobbing out of nowhere, just, like, driving down the freeway or something. And I can't always identify a trigger. It's just, it just comes out of nowhere. And in those moments, I don't think my grief is a beautiful thing that has grown with me through my life in as many beautiful ways as I have grown myself. In those moments, like, I'm angry. Mainly I'm sad, but I'm angry that this thing still has such a hold on me. That it has the power to disrupt my life. And that's okay. I don't have to be all zen chill with it all the time. Middle of the storm, of course it feels like it's never going to end and nothing is fair, but it does pass. And when it passes, I can look back on it and I can also look forward, knowing it'll come back again, and I can look at both of those things calmly. I don't know if it'll always be like this. It might, it might not. If it lessens, I might miss this intensity. Like, this intensity, I think, keeps me close to him in some ways. But I know there will always be something to keep me close to him. He's a part of my body. He's a part of who I am. I hope... I hope this reaches somebody who's also grieving. And who feels alone, maybe. And like it's something that can't be talked about. I hope we can be more comfortable with grief. I hope we can talk about it casually and seriously and joke about it and cry about it and just be okay with every form talking about it takes. Thank you for coming along for another chat. January zines uh, just went out, but you can sign up anytime before the end of the month if you want to get in on February's issue of the Mindful Narcissist zine. I do think I may be putting a cap on how many people can subscribe soon because um this is I, I have more subscribers than i thought i would ever get and i am but a one-man zine making factory i'm still undecided on when or how many to cap it at like i, I don't know quite my zine making capacity yet i need to give it another bit of thought but uh just want to put that out there if you've been thinking about subscribing you can also sign up to be a general patron if you just like the podcast and want to offer some support but not receive a zine. Both tiers are €4.50 or US dollars, and the link is patreon.com forward slash themindfulnarcissist. You can follow me at CaitlinW for daily Mindful Narcissist content and reminders and announcements about the podcast. As always, like, share, review, all that good stuff, and my DMs are always open. I will see you next week for another chat. Mwah!